Good morning. Thank you for joining us and welcome to our weekly e-learning session. My name is Dwayne Henderson, a member of Cree Lighting's training and education team and host of our e-learning series. For those watching live, happy Friday. Quickly about the session, once we get rolling, we'll have roughly 15 minutes of content. Our presenter will be available for Q&A at the end of the session. And although the attendees are muted, we do encourage you all to use either the chat or the Q&A box to ask questions. Feel free to type those during the presentation and we'll circle back and uh, answer those at the end. Uh, today's presentation is entitled um, Mid or High Powered LEDs, Should We Care? And to help answer that question, I'd like to welcome uh, Joey DeSena. Good morning, Joey. Good morning, how are you doing? Great, hey, before we get started, can you quickly talk about your role in the business? Yes, quickly. So I'm uh, an LED systems engineer in the R&D for Cree Lighting. Um, currently uh, with indoor products, so I've worked on outdoor in the past. And so what that means is that I help with designing the, uh, well, the, literally the LEDs uh, and, and boards and sometimes the optics that work in our uh, new products. Perfect, all right, great. Well, let's get started. Great. So. Uh, Mid-high-powered LEDs. Uh, if you're uh, someone who's been familiar with Cree lighting uh, for for years, um, you might remember that once upon a time we were very much all about aboard the high-powered LEDs train, um, especially when we we're a part of Cree Incorporated. That's kind of their bread and butter. Um, but and that was kind of a you know a, a feather in our cap. Um, in recent years, however, uh, mid-power LEDs have really um, burst onto the scene in a big way. Um, and so there's maybe some questions that might be out there uh, about, well, what's better? Uh, and so hopefully this, this presentation will help answer that. So <clears throat> if the slide goes forward, there we go. So uh, I'm gonna go more in depth on this in the next couple slides, but just really quick overview and how it pertains to Cree lighting. Uh, High-powered LEDs, uh, as you might suspect from the name, typically made from more high power density materials, kind of all around from the chip up. Um, and Cree lighting has been using these uh, since the beginning, again, specifically Cree LEDs. Um, and they're best for applications where good thermal conductivity is important and you need some high power per LED. And typically they fall in the one to 30 watt range. That means one to 30 watts of DC is run across each LED. Uh, and they have a higher cost than mid-power. Mid-power is something that Cree Lighting has been using um, in more products since around 2013, 2014, which kind of also mimics the wider uh, lighting space and um, typically made from lower power density materials. And they're best for applications where, you know, cost is more of a concern and power per LED doesn't need to be very high. And typically that's about 0.2 to one watt. So high-powered LEDs. Uh, now, high power to mid power work off the same basic principle, um, which is how most LEDs work. Um, I'm going to probably use the word typically a lot because there's always exceptions to the rule. But the typical white LED uh, has a, a blue uh, pump or die or chip, whatever you want to call it, um, that has a, uh, a blue peak that comes up in around the 450 or so nanometer range. And then there's a phosphor uh, that is put over the top of the chip. Um, this one in from this chart is a, a yttrium aluminum garnet uh, doped with cerium, I believe, uh, phosphor, which is a very common one, um, that basically takes some of those blue LEDs that are being emitted by the chip, uh, kind of absorbs some of that energy 
releases it as a heat and then releases a lower energy photon, uh, which in this case would be green, yellow, red. Combine all this together, you get a good approximation of white light. Um, <clears throat> I say good approximation. Uh, there's typically some gaps in here, like you can see right here. If you had a perfect approximation, it would be a, you know completely filling out that spectrum. It would be 100 CRI, which is great. Um, difficult to achieve, but we can get pretty close. Um, so changing what you have in the phosphor formula, for example, or even the chip, uh, you can get different uh, color temperatures. You can get different uh, CRI. Uh, all of that really depends mostly on the, on the phosphor and the chip being used. Now, as for differences, for a high-powered LED, typically it's made with a high-power density dye, as I said before. Um, for Cree lighting, again, coming from Cree Incorporated, uh, typically we would use a silicon carbide. Uh, it's a very high power density. I want to say off the top of my head, it's something like uh, six times the uh, thermal, con thermal and electrical conductivity of, say, a sapphire, which is a typical uh, medium-powered LED dye. Now, this is great for, as you might imagine, high power applications. Um, uh, and uh, Cree Incorporated, uh, again, uh, has use, is using that in their high power, you know, and RF applications. So it, it's, it's a technology that is well suited to that kind of application. Um, but that's, that's not where all the, all the fanciness ends we're high, with high powered LEDs. We also have uh, typically ceramic packages, uh, packages meaning the substrate that the actual LED chip fits on and that we solder to on a board. Uh, ceramic uh, being a, a good conductor of heat. Um, again, great for those high power applications. And typically, again, there is a molded silicone lens uh, that is uh, placed over the die in order to get maximum extraction out of the LED. You would actually get less light out of that LED if there was nothing on there rather than a properly designed silicone, silicone molded lens. Um, as you might expect, that adds, all of this adds a little bit of cost to the whole production process. Uh, so the design advantages of these high-powered LEDs, um, high lumen per watt if you need some high power density, high light output. Um, I think most people remember a few years ago in the Super Bowl, if you're a sporto, uh, that um, there was problems with the lights. These were not LED lights. Um, during Super Bowl 47, and they kept having problems with them shutting off, and then they'd have to wait 15 to 20 minutes for them to warm back up so they could come back on. Now, LED lights, of course, have instant on, instant off, so that this is the kind of application that would be perfect for a high-powered LED. And in fact, if I recall correctly, the very next year, they made sure that they had LED lights at that Super Bowl. So. Um, it's a, it's a high power density, uh, great thermal conductivity, as I said before, um, and you have a better opportunity for optical control. Again, with this molded uh, and this molded dome, you're able to extract more light, and then you can have. And just to be clear, this is not a Cree lighting fixture, but it is uh, very uh, easy to point out what I'm trying to say here: that you can have these molded optics that go over a typical high power LED in order to extract even more and get that light exactly where you want it to go, kind of like in the spotlight or um, the nano optics uh, feature that Cree lighting has in several of our, of our outdoor products. You know, if you want that, if you want a large amount of light coming out and you want it directed in a very specific spot, like if you have a street light, you don't want light being cast 
behind the pole into someone's yard or up into the sky. You want it on the street. High-powered LEDs are very good for that kind of application. Um, and also, typically, typically, uh, they have a very long life because of that high power density if you're running them correctly. I have it noted here, an L70 of greater than 100,000 hours. Um, if you are here for a previous uh, e-learning session from John Vollers, he went over uh, some of the application or some of the uh, terminology and, and testing methodology for lifetime of LEDs. L70, meaning that uh, LEDs slowly lose light output over time, they emit less. So L70 is the time it takes for an LED to reach 70% of its initially rated light output. Um, 2,000 hours is pretty great. Um, that you're talking, again, with typical use, a couple decades. So it's pretty good. <clears throat> now, design disadvantage is a big one. They're higher cost. Each one's going to cost more. That ceramic's not cheap. That uh, molded end cap and, of course, the substrate or the chip are all higher cost than a mid-powered LED. So these are typically valued for, like I was saying before, exterior products. Um, solutions where optical control is very important and when you need highlight output. Now I'll talk about some mid-powered LEDs. Um, these are, uh, again, they emit light, white light, in the same basic principle. You have a phosphor-converted blue light dye. Uh, however, uh, just starting with the dye, it's made with a lower power density dye. I said before, sapphire uh, is a very common one. Uh, I believe it's the most common in the market. It's a technology that's been around since the 60s. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of companies know how to make it um, in, in quantity, uh, which makes it lower cost. Um, and it's a very common material that's easier to produce. Um, uh, typically, the package itself is plastic, not ceramic. Uh, that, as you can imagine, is also lower cost. And it's kind of formed into a pool, again, typically, into kind of a, a pool that you can mix the phosphor and encapsulant, uh, silicone encapsulant together and just pour it in. You don't have to spray the encapsulant on and then mold the dome onto it. It's just this kind of a slurry that you pour in there. Um, that is, of course, uh, a more cost-effective method of making this LED, but also you can, have, you can have little hot spots of phosphor in certain parts of the pool and it might not be quite as even in it in what kind of, uh, what color photons it's spraying out everywhere. Um, if you get, you know, a little too uh, cost cutting in your measures of making it. So it's something else to watch for. Um, and again, uh, it's usually rated up to about one watt of power, input power per LED. Um, the reason, there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, a main one is that the plastic package is not designed to transfer heat very well. Um, and so if you keep running it too high, the heat in the system has nowhere to go it will degrade the lifetime of the, of the LED itself, and you might get something closer to 50,000 hours or less. Again, if you're not, if you're not running it in the correct design, correctly designed system. So um, that's a lot of caveats. What are the design advantages of mid-power LEDs? <clears throat> well, you can combine them because they're low power and they're much lower cost. Uh, a high-power LED can be on the order of, of, of a dollar or so, uh, a typical mid-power can be on the order of a few cents. So that much lower of a cost, you can use many more of them and you can combine them to form many fixture shapes. Uh, again, none of these are creep lighting products, but they're good for illustrative purposes. Uh, when you're allowed to use multiple, multiple, multiple mid-powered LEDs, you can put them kind of all over in these you know, lamp replacements or in a T8 lamp replacement here, 
or in just a two by two tropper here, where if you want a low glare solution, you can just put hundreds of LEDs, uh, mid power LEDs in a, on these large boards, and each one's only emitting uh, a, maybe a few dozen lumens. So it's not one big bright LED that might glare right into someone's eye. Um, and they require only minor heat sinking because each LED is not designed to be this big massive power and heat sink. Um, you don't necessarily need a metal core printed circuit board. You can get away with something like fiberglass because they're, again, if they're designed correctly, not going to get too hot. Um, so that's something that you can, again, go with less expensive other materials in the product. Now, the disadvantages are all things that are important to keep in mind. Um, again, as I noticed before, noted before, there's a typically lower lifetime because that plastic package is not designed to go too, too, too long. Uh, and they're not suited to high temperatures. You want to keep that LED in operating conditions less than around 85C. Again, typically, you can find plastic package mid-power LEDs that use you know, more expensive, more robust materials, but more often than not, you're gonna to wanna to keep it under 85C. Uh, there's less opportunity for optical control. As, as, you can, as I said before, and you note here, you have this pool of encapsulant and silicone. Uh, you're gonna have light kind of bouncing wherever, and you're gonna lose a bit, little bit of light going off these sides. It's not as nice extraction features as you have that molded dome. Um, and so light kind of just spills out in a bit of a Lambertian distribution that's not terribly controlled and hard to add additional optics to um, and get good results. Um, and I already said before that you can have that short lifetime if it's not designed correctly. So where are these typically used? Indoor products, uh, low lumen, relatively low lumen, low glare products, and solutions where optical control is less important. But if you want uh, kind of just uh, to create a, a very even illumination, and you don't need that any kind of like that nice Lambertian distribution, but you don't need to direct light right here to this spot right now. That's much better for mid powers. So getting to the actual question, the whole point of this presentation is should we care? Um, the answer is not really. Uh, and, and the reason for that is because system design, design, system design drives the best solution. Um, it, as mid power LEDs have come more into their own in the past five, six, seven years, um, they have found their own niche uh, in a lot of products. Again, mostly indoor. Um, but the flexibility that we have with pre-lighting to decide between a high power LED or a mid-power LED means that we have unconstrained product design. Uh, we still buy uh, a lot of and use a lot of pre-LEDs. They, you know, we were with them for a long time but we have the flexibility to use other people's LEDs, other companies' LEDs, and, and we do. It all depends on that, on that product design. And as the technology continues to evolve, we will keep this all in mind. This is a lot of what I do is trying to, in my job, is to figure out what's the best LED for a given solution, right? So uh, here are some examples of, of how these different types of LEDs work better in different products. We have the Cree Lighting XSP as a long-serving uh, uh, street light in our portfolio. This is 10 LEDs. It's just 10 LEDs with nano-optic features because you can control where the light goes really well. And you can get upwards of 20,000, 24,000 lumens out of that. But a Cree Lighting ZR Troffer, currently, uh, we use a lot of mid-power LEDs. 
maybe on the order of 100 or so. Um, and that creates a nice, relatively low glare fixture for maybe a 4,000 lumen uh, output. And then on the other end, you just because you're using a mid-power LED doesn't mean you can't get creative. Uh, the free lighting Cadient, which we have launched recently, uh, kind of a skylight-looking uh, fixture, uses six different types of, of mid-power LEDs, more than 500 of them, in order to create all sorts of different combinations and this lighting experience. Uh, you can have a cloudy sky, you can have a blue, bright, like sunny sky, you can have on those sun panels on the sides, it'll be a nice bright midday sun reflection or something more akin to a sunset or a sunrise. And because of the design flexibility of those mid-power LEDs, we're able to achieve that. So keeping all those requirements in mind, you can, you can pick the correct LED for a given design requirement, light output, optical needs, indoor, outdoor, and of course, anything like an industrial design consideration, which something like the, the Cadian uh, definitely uh, uses well. And that is the presentation. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks, Joey. Uh, just to remind the audience, uh, we are now open for questions. So if you do have any questions, please go ahead and submit those. We did have a question about um, a comment that said 85C is 185 Fahrenheit. What environmental temperature does this convert to when taking into effect the heat generated by the chip set on the ID power LED? Can you understand the question there, Joey? I don't know if I caught the last couple words there. ID ID power LEDs? Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I'm understanding the correct the question correctly, like what so what do we I'm gonna assume that's asking like what are we what kind of temperatures should we expect to see? maybe in a typical kind of fixture. Mm -hmm. um, uh, if, if that's incorrect, correct, uh, please let me know, but I'll just go ahead with that. Um, so for, for example, for a typical indoor proffer application like the ZR, <clears throat> uh, we, I mean, that's rated for a 35 degrees C ambient uh, room temperature. And so we test to that. And uh, for, for, again, for a typical ZR troffer, the LED case temperature gets to maybe 60 degrees C. So not very much. Like I was saying before, those mid-power LEDs, they don't get very hot because you're not, you're not running each one with too much uh, power. Um, so so it's not, it doesn't become this immense heat trap. Uh, just, just being near to the pan, the, the, the metal pan, is enough heat sinking that's required. Um, for, for more high-power LEDs, uh, they're typically okay to run a well or pretty well above 100C. Um, and that's why they're also good for outdoor type applications where environment can be very different. You want to make sure that your, your, um, street lights that are running in Phoenix, Arizona, don't randomly fail because it's too hot, for example. Yeah. And we do uh, in situ temperature testing as well. So a lot of, you know, mm -hmm. our, our evaluation pro process is really looking at these products in kind of a typical environment and, and designing the, the robustness of that all the devices we're really using, including the LED, to be able to withstand perform really well in those types of applications. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's that, that a typical, that does a, a, a specific test that we run for every product as it goes through R&D is some in-situ testing. And we also do some, some extreme reliability testing as well, power, power cycling, temperature cycling from, say, negative 40 to plus 55C, uh, high humidity 55C as well. Uh, it, just in order to like make sure we extend, you know, even though it's not rated to run at 55 degrees C ambient temperature, we want to make sure that they're 
there's some headroom and that there's nothing strange that might break down in the system. So we do lots of testing to make sure that even if we use, for example, mid power LEDs, that they are suited to the, to the cause. Yeah, there's another question uh, that's come in about low powered LEDs. So I know we talked about mid and, and high, but they're asking what free lighting products utilize low powered LEDs. I don't know if we have any that do. And do those LEDs actually produce uh, uh, longer life? Um, but I think I've heard of them like in traffic signals, but are we using any low powered and is the industry that you're aware of using low powered LEDs in, in lighting solutions? No. Um... And it's kind of tricky. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, LED manufacturers kind of conflate that like low. Like I don't think they like using the term low because it sounds bad, maybe. And so um, a lot of low power LEDs you might consider low power LEDs are actually mid power LEDs and vice versa. Um, if you want like an extreme low power LED, that's probably not suited for lighting conditions. Uh, even even the LEDs we use, like for example, in the Cadian, they give off. At certain um, at certain settings, only a few lumens per LED, uh, which is pretty low. I mean, you don't probably want to go too much lower than that. So, so it's kind of I don't know if it's um, I don't know if it's marketing materials or something else, but typically, mid power and high power are the two names in the lighting game that are used. Um, if that answers that question fairly well. There's another question about to get better color rendering out of the LED chip, what changes in the manufacturing process are required to, to do that? You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so let, for, for better, like for example, CRI or, or TM30, um, you, uh, you want to mimic basically a black body curve as well as you can. You want to mimic effectively the sun um, or, or an incandescent light. And so you want to have as much full of that spectrum as you want. Um, now, as, a, as you know, as I noted before, if I can go back real quick, just to have something to point to, um, like we have this gap right here. If we, if we had just a nice full spectrum from say 400 to 700 nanometers, that would be pretty darn close to 100 CRI. Um, so what can be done on the chip level and the phosphor level to fill in those gaps is what's necessary. Um, if you want to get closer to that, uh, you could have a lower, a lower uh, wavelength blue chip, maybe something that's violet uh, or something closer, maybe approaching UV. Uh, you could have multiple types of phosphor, uh, additional types of phosphor that will make the chip or the, the component less efficient. And that's going to be your, that's going to be your real trade-off is that all these, all these additions uh, to make better color rendering are are effectively usually going to make your end system less efficient. Um, so, so, but the, that's the trick is you want to, you want to fill up these gaps down over here, over here, over here, as much as possible. Um, something else you can do. Uh, uh, I'm, I, I mean, one of the early ways to create white light was like RGB, uh, uh, sorry, red, green, blue, literally different LEDs mixed together in a system and it, it makes white. And so that's, that's a, that the problem with that is that you have peaks, right? You have a blue peak, you have a green peak, you have a red peak. So it looks like white, but they actually, the color rendering was pretty poor, but uh, you could have multiple types of LEDs that have different phosphor systems in order to cover, cover the whole, the whole spectrum. There's, there's lots of ways to get around to, to filling out that color rendering. Um, 
the question really is, are, are people, it, it's for specific, as I'm sure you know, applications where that's needed and where maybe power uh, saving, electricity savings aren't as important typically. Yeah, all, all things being equal, you know, it's the, the higher the CRI, the, the more difficult it is to have equal, yeah. right? Unless you make you make changes other another area. So uh, I think that's mm -hmm. about the way we look at products is you, you kind of look at the system and, and what's the application, what's the value that people are looking for. And then you can design systems that have high CRIs or you can design systems that have really high efficacy. Hey, what, yeah, and I, I'm sorry, go I, ahead. Was just, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I, and that's, that's something that's out there on the market from multiple, multiple manufacturers. I've, I've seen and tested myself high 90 CRI LEDs. Um, again, it's just a question of, is that trade-off for lumen per watt worth it? Yeah, kind of getting back to the question of, of life. And I guess a lot of this stuff is going to be, be determined by how, how you treat uh, the source, whether it's a mid or high powered LED. So the, the life question or lumen maintenance probably mm -hmm. a better way of looking at it. I, I assume I can get similar results using a mid or high power LED. Uh, sim similar lifetime results on a mid power yeah, or high power so, LED? I know you had yeah. to talk a little bit about mid power, like it might've been a little bit less, but is it is that a kind of a function of how you're treating it or, or can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you can, you can get, you can get close. You can get similar types of lifetimes if you're treating the LEDs well. If you have, if you have a mid-power LED and you're running it relatively very low power or, or just low power, it's, it's, so it's really not getting hot at all, um, you can extend the lifetime into 100,000 hours uh, or plus. I've definitely seen that before. Um, and, you can, and you can dramatically shorten the high-power LED if you're pumping more power into it that's really designed to have um, like 40 watts or something crazy like that. So, so there, it's kind of, it depends on the guidance on how they're supposed to be used uh, and how they're used in a system. Um, so, so yes, that's, so, so all that long answer done shortly is yes, you can have mid power LED systems that approach those, the lifetimes of, of uh, high power LEDs, um, but you would probably have to take into consideration um, that you know, better heat sinking and stuff like that in order to uh, approach that. And typically, at least, again, there's typically again, um, if you're using mid-power LEDs in a system, part of that reasoning is for cost considerations. So uh, that would kind of offset the whole purpose of using the mid-powers. Maybe not completely. Um, it's, it's probably still going to be cheaper than using some high powers. And again, I'm mostly thinking for indoor products. You would not really want to use a mid-power LED for an outdoor product. Trying to get 24,000 lumens out of mid-power LED system is going to be kind of insane. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's, it's just at that point, you might as well use high power because it's going to be probably insanely expensive. So. Yeah. Hey, la last question, and then I don't, and I don't know how much we can answer this because it really kind of relates more to three incorporated, uh, which again, we're not part of that business any longer, but somebody had mentioned that they heard that Cree Incorporated was one of the companies that was moving towards US LED chip manufacturing. Um, is that something that is, is kind of a goal of the industry at all? And I guess talk more in general terms, not because again, we can't, we're not part of Cree, we can't really talk about what they're doing, but is, is that something you're seeing in the in the marketplace? I mean, we're using multiple chips, or is that something that you're not really seeing? 
so just, just just to just to clarify the question like are we seeing more of a move toward us like stateside chip manufacturing yes um i mean I, I, yeah you're right i mean i can't i can't say i mean because i just i literally don't know what cree incorporated is doing i know that their silicon carbide chips have always been made in the United States. Um, that's part of their secret sauce. Uh, I don't know, it, yeah, I don't know what they're doing now with that though. Um, I will say, particularly due to tariffs, obviously, I'm seeing a lot more LED manufacturing outside of China, but still in Asia. So, so Japan, of course, uh, Taiwan, South Korea, Vietnam, um, it's, it's expanding. I don't know about stateside necessarily, at least not yet. But that, I mean, that's that's what I've seen. Okay, perfect. All right, we want to go to the last slide. I will close up shop. Um, I do want to thank Joey again for his time and, and for the great presentation. I also want to thank the audience for, for joining us. Looking ahead for the next couple of weeks, uh, next Friday we'll talk about optics. We've now covered drivers. Uh, we've talked about the LED, and, and then kind of the, the third part of the, the trilogy will be talking about the optical control of these sources. So that's next Friday. And then the following Friday, August 7th, we'll talk about understanding distribution types and their application values. So um, looking at um, kind of what you see on the spec sheet, what does it mean, where does it really get applied? So with that, uh, as a reminder, uh, if you have any questions, feel free to, uh, to reach out to me. Again, all the content is being recorded and posted on our, our YouTube channel. So if you've missed the session, feel free to kind of check in there. Uh, with that, again, thanks everybody for joining us and enjoy your weekends.